Welcome to the Laura Mayer Podcast. This is a podcast where you learn how to walk in the mental and emotional and relational freedom that Jesus provided for you. So happy to have you here today joining with us again. Last week, I started what's kind of turned into a little mini-series. Last week, I did an episode on the wounded heart. You know, I've been thinking a lot about um, the heart with which people do their life with. Because, you know, we know out of Proverbs that it's out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. Uh, We know that the Bible talks about above all else, guard your heart because it's the wellspring of life. It is the, the literal well that you pull water from. You draw water from your own heart. And so what you allow in that well determines the health of your life. So um, last week I talked about a wounded heart, someone that goes through life with just a heart that's been so wounded and remains unhealed. So we all have wounds. We all have things that come in life. And it's not wrong to say, I have an area here that's wounded. What is not beneficial for you is to hang on to the wound and never let it heal. Very much like if you have children or you're around kids and they have a bug bite and, you know, they've scratched it and there's a scab. And what do we tell them? We say, leave it alone. Quit scratching it so that it can heal. Healing is important. Don't just keep it, you know, um, festered. Don't keep it exposed. And, you know, or maybe it's something that needs extra attention. And so, Um, let mommy get in there and clean the wound so that it can heal properly. So you can go back and check that out. Um, But this week, it was on my heart to talk about the offended heart. And you guys, I prayed before I hit record on this podcast, just that the Holy Spirit would help me get out what He wants me to say. This is something that has been brewing on the inside of my spirit for quite some time now. As I'm watching things unfold in our world, and, you know, alarmingly and sadly, things unfold in the lives of people I know and love, and and I'm seeing a pattern here of people doing life from a place of offense, and um, so I've prayed and I've asked the Holy Spirit to help me with this one. Because I've got some some strong truths, but it's to bring freedom. You know, every time that God gives us direction and tells us what to do and what not to do, it's because He loves us with that everlasting, not giving up, never ending love, and He wants best for us. And oftentimes, what feels right to our flesh is not best for us. A lot of times, that fleshly nature, um, our instant fleshy response to something, is gonna you know, going to lead to even more destruction. And so that's why, you know, we're told to renew our mind and, and um, that the Bible patterns for us the ways to do our life so that we can do it um, to the glory of God, but also in a way that reflects the kingdom well, the kingdom of God well, as we are on this earth as ambassadors of Jesus Christ. So let me go ahead and dive straight in. And, and I just ask that your heart be open today to receive the seed of the word of God, that it falls on good ground in your heart and that it bears much fruit and that freedom is found as the word seeps into every crack and crevice that needs to be filled up in your heart and in your life and that you leave this podcast bolstered and stronger than you were before you hit play. And I'm honored that you joined me today. So what is an offended heart? 
Well, I'll give you a few examples, some things that kind of came up as I was thinking about this question. An offended heart. So this is a heart someone goes through life offended. Maybe not just offended at the person that's in front of them. Maybe offended at someone 20 years ago. But that offense, just like we learned last week about wounds, that if they're still so tender and someone bumps up against them accidentally, it, it it causes such pain. Even though the person who just bumped against them didn't mean any harm, they hit an old wound, a wound that they were not there for, you know, to happen. You know, they, they didn't originally cause the wound, but um, that the wound and the pain were still there. So an offended heart is someone that goes through life offended. And maybe not just at the person in front of them, but maybe they take it out on the people all around them because they are still festering from the offenses that they've allowed to stay in their lives. And so something that's kind of interesting about about offense. Offense is one of those, it's a tricky thing. And it's something that no one can make you be. No one can make you be offended. Just like no one can make you angry. Now, some of you, that may be a brand new thought. You're like, well, of course, they made me angry. They did this. Okay, back up. It is true, they may have done X, Y, and Z, but anger is something you chose, you know, if you chose to react in an angry way. Let's just say the, the emotion of anger itself um, isn't, isn't necessarily the choice, but the reaction of reacting out in anger, lashing in anger. Um, you know, people that are not very good at self-control and they lash out at everybody around them, they're real good at saying that everyone else made them do it. That's not true. Um, they chose their reaction. Well, offense is the same is the same thing. Um, John Bevere, in his book, The Bait of Satan, refers to offense as just that, the bait. Bait is something you don't have to take. Just like if you've ever been fishing and you put a worm on a hook and threw it into the pond, the fish has the choice whether to swim on by or to see the wiggly worm and it's discreet. The, the fish doesn't see that there's truly a hook in it. It looks like something good to eat. It looks like it's something it should go after. But then when they take a bite on the worm, instantly they're hooked. And they're reeled in. And it's, it's their demise. They're fried up in a skillet and eaten with hush puppies that night. So offense is the same way. It's a bait that you can choose to take or not take. I don't care what someone does. You get to choose whether to take the bait. And if you will view it that way, you know, remembering that you don't wrestle against flesh and blood, that the person in front of you, yes, they may have done the action, but the motivator behind it was the enemy, the devil himself, who comes to still kill and destroy. And so if you will live your life through those lenses and instead address the spiritual issue that's going on and say, uh-uh, Satan, I'm not taking that bait. I know you tried to use that person and work through that person. They were a puppet for you in this moment, but I'm not going to take your bait. I'm not going to choose to get in offense with them. I'm going to process it. I'm going to let it go. I'm going to bring it to the Lord. Let him heal it. Let him deal with it. I'm not going to let that bait poison my life. So when you see someone who walks around their life with an offended heart, they often believe the worst of every encounter. You know, they have an interaction with someone and they come away going, well, that person meant this and they said it like this. And I think it's interesting, you know, when you read a text message, if you have an offended heart, you will read text messages as though the person was saying things in the most unkind tone. And you can't prove that. You don't know that they were. 
How many of you have ever had a miscommunication through text message because you read it through the lenses of that the, the, the person didn't mean it by because there's no tone of voice in text messaging. There's no facial expressions. There's none of those other things. Well, going through life with an offended heart causes you to have lenses over your eyes where you truly believe the worst of every encounter. You think people mean it bad. You think they have an ill intention towards you. You take everything the wrong way. You assume they're talking about you when you enter a room. You assume that they meant something hurtful when they forgot to respond to a text. Maybe they were busy. You know, it's it's that offense because that poison has started infiltrating every part of your life. An offended heart is convinced um, or you may have convinced yourself that you don't like people. You don't need them. You don't like them when really you've been hurt by them. And it's your defense mechanism to tell yourself that you just don't need them. You're just not a people person. Now, it's true. Some of us are more outgoing and people than others. But I happen to know that you were created by the same Heavenly Father that created me. And our Heavenly Father loves people. And he's the one who created families. He's the one who created community. He's the one who created marriage. He's the one who created children. He's the one who created friendship. And if God creates it, it's not bad. But when Satan taints it, poisons it, and perverts it, it becomes bad. So how about instead of saying you don't like people, rephrase it and say, well, I've had some interesting relationships that I've learned from, and I'm not going to repeat those, <laughs> but my heart's open to the God kind of relationships, doing relationships the God kind of way. Um, maybe people that walk around with a, an offended heart, they have an attitude of, I dare you everywhere they go. You know, we talked about the porcupine last week, and with a wounded heart, those porcupine quills go internal. But with an offended heart, the porcupine quills are always external, and always alert and out, fully extended, ready to poke anyone who might even think of coming near them, much less actually come near them. It's a warning sign to say, I am not open for any relationship. Everyone stay away from me. And really, it's a self-protection. And you think you've outsmarted everybody around you. You think you've ensured a way to not ever get hurt again. But that's not true. All you've done is you've cut off the life source that relationships are meant to be in your life. And you've built a wall, and slowly you're dying behind the wall because you're not getting the connection that you were created by your Heavenly Father to have. I want to say something quick about anger. I mentioned it a few minutes ago as as far as anger and lashing out and anger being a choice. It's been said that anger is the second emotion. Now, I'm not a psychologist, and... Or a sociologist or a counselor or anything like that. But I do feel that this has rang true in my own life. That anger is the second emotion. That we often feel something first, a primary emotion. And it causes us then to react with anger or to respond with anger coming next. So someone with an offended heart will often walk around acting very angry. With an angry or scowled look on their face. When really underneath the anger, that armor of anger... They're really hurt, and they have vowed to never be hurt again. Like I said, that wounded person does this in a way by trying to please everyone. In the last episode, we discussed that, that they vow, I'll never be hurt again. And the way that they do it is they try to control everybody around them with their own good behavior, that if they can keep everybody super-duper happy, that's what will ensure their safety. 
Someone with an offended heart, though, does this in the opposite way by letting everybody know that they could care less who they offend. They're going to be them. Take me or leave me. It's who I am. It's their own form of protection. But it's not working for them any more than it's working for, for the person who is over-exhausting themselves trying to keep everyone happy around you know, a good understanding of boundaries would serve us all really well to be reminded that other people's actions and thoughts and um, decisions and emotions and feelings are their responsibility. When you start stepping over and trying to manage other people's choices and emotions and responses, you've stepped out of line and you're trying to do others' control instead of self-control. But with, when you stay in your own lane and remember that you're only in charge of your own self, the responsibility of managing your own self, there's so much freedom in that. An offended heart is also often a cynic, and they are either very passive-aggressive, you know, controlling people in little innuendos or hints or, you know, not speaking to them because they made them unhappy that's, again, trying to control other people's choices and behaviors with your own choices and behaviors, which is an overstep of boundaries. Passive aggressiveness is not something to be proud of. It is dangerous, and you should handle it like a viper. <laughs> Keep it away. So either they go through life very passive aggressive or just plain aggressive. Both of these are dangerous for you. And Jesus has freedom for you. Oh, that's such the good news. Oh, my goodness. Any struggle we have in our soulish area, that mental and emotional realm, Jesus came to bring wholeness to. So how does this offended heart affect your life? You may be listening to this and going, well, Laura, it's kind of worked so far in my life. So why do I even need to change? Well, let me tell you what it's doing that you may not even know. You may not even know until it's grown so big that it's such a huge problem. And it has such a vice grip in your life that you're not quite sure how to get out of it. But there's good news. There's always a miracle. <laughs> Jesus is a master of turning messes into miracles. So wherever you find yourself in this next list, just know that there's a way out. Um, number one, the effects in your life is that it cuts off the life flow to you. I've already mentioned it. Relationships are God intended. And when we shove them away, we're not doing ourselves any favors. We're actually playing into the enemy's plan and isolating ourselves where we get weaker and weaker and weaker. And we're, we're there. Easy prey for him and his plans. We're called to be in relationships. And because of that, we're going to have to learn how to manage those relationships because they're all going to be with imperfect people. Every relationship you have will be with a human and none of us are perfect. We all need Jesus every single day. And so if your requirement for a relationship is perfection, you will never have lasting relationships. Relationships in your life, whether they be uh, romantic or platonic or just friendships or I don't know what all the different words would be to describe different types of relationships with your life in your life, even maybe with your own children, maybe your own adult children. If perfection is required... You will not keep people around. And you will begin to wonder what's wrong with everybody else. Maybe they keep getting poked with your porcupine quills. And they can't get you to lay your quills down long enough to face them human to human and give each other space and grace. 
So you're going to be called to relationships with imperfect humans, and that's going to require you to learn some components such as grace and forgiveness in order to keep relationships intact. There is not a single healthy relationship out there who at some point has not had to tap into that grace of extending grace and forgiveness because people make mistakes and people change and, um, and there has to be space for that. And God has to be the one to help you do that. And it feels very unsafe to do that if you're constantly focusing on providing your own safety. Whether that be with your quills inward or your quills outward. People who walk around with an offended heart begin to paint out where everyone else is always wrong. They could give you a list of what's wrong way before they could give you a list of what's right. Because that's what they're focused on. The things that come out of somebody's mouth let you know what they think on all the time. Because out of the abundance, the heart speaks. Or out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, rather. People with an offended heart um, tend to let the very thing that they despise have access to their hearts to eventually destroy them. Let me say that again in some different words. Oftentimes, the offense started with maybe... You know, one thing that happened years and years ago, but you vowed to never let anything like that or anyone like that ever hurt you again. And you tried to provide your own protection out of your own strength and ability instead of running to the Lord. Maybe you didn't know you could do that. Maybe you didn't know that Jesus is your defender. Maybe you didn't know all the scriptures about him taking up your cause. Um, There's been many times I've had to stand on those scriptures in different areas of my life. So you've made the vows. To always protect yourself. And what's happened though is when you keep an offense, keep a record, you know, in love in 1 Corinthians 13 says that love keeps no records of wrong. It's like an etch a sketch that after, if you've ever played with an etch a sketch, you know, you can uh, turn the little dials and it draws something. Um, it, it, it's, I think it's like a magnet with little metal particles. Um, And as you turn the dials, the magnet will draw different images on the screen of the Etch-A-Sketch. But then if you shake the Etch-A-Sketch, all, you know, any any trace of that image disappears. It's erased away. So when you choose to hang on to an offense, you are choosing to keep the image of that wrong in front of your eyes at all times. And it becomes embedded in your heart and in your mind. And it becomes what you view all of life with. You know, it's been said that if you heal, if you don't heal from what hurt you, you will bleed on people who never cut you. Let me say that again. I didn't come up with this. I don't know who. I didn't look this up. I wasn't planning to say it. But it, it's a quote that I've read somewhere. That if you don't heal from what hurt you, you will bleed on people who didn't cut you. What a plan of the enemy. Can you see how offense is such a huge component of his plan to still kill and destroy? And the whole time you just thought it was about the person in front of you. Oh, honey, it's not. It's not. They're also a victim of what Satan is trying to do to still kill and destroy in their life. So offense is Satan's number one tactic to, to creep in. And it by, by staying connected to the offense, you're also staying connected to the poison that that offense brings. It's truly a poisoning of the troops. 
Christians are not intended to walk around offended, or I'm going to replace the word with triggered. Christians are not intended to walk around triggered all the time. That is not God's highest and best. In order to be triggered, there has to be something inside that's able to be triggered. Something that's triggerable. Something unhealed. Something held onto. Something that's taken root. Something that Satan has to be able to grip. Or, or you can't be triggered in that area. Whether whether it be an abuse from your past that is very real, and I am not trying to, you know, sweet coat it or sugar coat it or say that you should just get over it. By all means, that is not how this works. If you just try to get over something, all you've done is slap a Band-Aid on something that's infected. No, no, no. I'm never saying to pretend it didn't happen, but there is a healthy way to process it, and it must be processed or you give it access to poison you further. That is why Jesus came to provide healing for not just your spirit and your body, but also your soul. Because what good is, I mean, it is good, but, but what, a, what a sad thing it would be if you receive Jesus as the Savior of your spirit to where you have eternal life and you get to spend an eternity in heaven with him. And maybe you even have an understanding that Jesus came to bring healing for your body. That 1 Peter 2.24, when it says, By the stripes of Jesus that I have been made heal and whole, and, and you've learned how to receive your healing for things in your body. But what a sad thing it would be if you still felt or didn't know that he also came to provide wholeness for your soul. So your body can be walking around healed and whole, but on the inside, you're just so distraught and stressed and anxious and depressed all the time. And actually, I'm not even sure those two can coexist because out of your heart flows the issues of life. And I've seen people who carry bitterness around in their heart and offense around in their heart to where it starts flowing out to that next layer of your body. And your body and your health will begin to be affected by the condition of your soul. Gosh, so thankful that we have a Savior. Oh, what a Savior we've got. So Christians aren't meant to walk around triggered. And in order to walk to be triggered, there has to be something that's been undealt with on the inside, a pressure point that Satan has found. You know, when something triggers you, it literally means that something causes your internal trigger, just like a gun, to be pressed. Now, triggers um, work through pressure. A trigger on a gun, when you apply pressure and you continue to apply pressure past a certain point, the gun will go off. That's how it's intended to work. So Satan comes to bring pressure. He comes to bring pressure in an area where there's been a wound, pressure in an area where there's been an offense, not just one imagined, real ones. But that's why it's so important to let Jesus heal areas so there's no pressure points for Satan to use against you. Often, when this pressure, is, pressure comes and it starts pressing on your trigger points, this causes you to unload your gun, which could be words, accusations, 
attitudes, assumptions about people around you. It causes you to unload that gun on people who never intended to hurt you or who may have been innocent parties altogether. And you do this because you are in that self-protecting mode. But let me tell you also what happens. It causes you to run your mouth. It causes you to explode the words of your mouth on people who weren't even a part of the situation to begin with. You got offended with so-and-so, so you go run to your other friend and start spewing on them. You're doing exactly what Hebrews 12, 15 guards against and says that above all else, you know, guard against bitterness from growing in your heart. Bitterness, offense, triggering. Because it will grow up and it'll put down roots. Put down roots in your heart. That bitterness that started off as a small little seed ooched down into the soil of your heart. And then it's going to grow up. And when it blooms into a fully grown plant, It says that it defiles many, that a root of bitterness in your heart, biblically, it says, can grow up and defile many. How is it that an offense that has been placed against you, you know, Satan had it, you know, planned against you, but actually he wanted others to be collateral damage from what happened in your life, letting it fester. And that word defiles in the original Greek is actually the word rape. It's that level of defilement that when you go and spew your offense at other people who, you know, guys, if, it's, if you're not a part of the problem and you're not a part of the solution, you don't need to be talking about the situation. If you're not a part of the problem, you're not a part of the solution, it's gossip. And you're just spreading bitterness, even if it's cloaked in the guise of a prayer request. You can go talk to Jesus about that prayer request. He's the one that can fix it anyway, not Sally so-and-so. So that root of bitterness grows and it defiles many. You know, I think of it, if you've ever walked through the woods, I know in in my part of the country, there's a plant that um, produces little seeds that have almost like Velcro attached to the outside. So if you just brush up against this plant, um, the little seeds attach to your clothing without you even realizing it or onto the fur of an animal. And then those seeds later fall off and are deposited elsewhere. And that's how the plant germinates. And and that's how it, or um, uh, pollinates rather. Oh, I don't know the word, whatever it is. Um, Makes more plants by grabbing holds of a carrier and then being deposited elsewhere. And so a plant can grow up there. When we spew bitterness and offense and the things that trigger out of an unhealed heart, that's what we're doing to other people. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You do not want that on your head. Why should triggering not apply to Christians? Oh my gosh, here's the great news. We have been gifted with a new way to live. Okay, y'all, spoiler. You can't do this unless you've been born again. You cannot do this unless you have the Zoe, the God kind of life deposited on the inside of you. And that is what happened the day you became born again. You cannot do this unless you have had the love of God shed abroad in your heart. Good news. If you've been born again, it's there. Maybe you didn't know you could tap into it, but you can. So let's talk about it. We've been gifted with this new way to live. We now have the God ability to forgive. Did you know you cannot truly forgive at the level that you need to forgive in order for freedom to be activated unless you do it God's way. You cannot forgive out of your own fleshly man way of forgiving, which is just basically the same as ignoring and forgetting. You can't do it. You've got to have God's empowerment to do it. But good news, you've got it. So we've been given the ability to do life in a new way. We've been given the ability to do life with forgiveness that doesn't make sense and healing that doesn't make sense. 
And it's so sad because people that have never been born again do not have access to this. Y'all, it is tremendous to me the change that I see in people's eyes. I get to volunteer at a place where women come in uh, to get free from addiction. And it's so interesting because oftentimes my very first time to meet some of these women, there is such a hollowness in their eyes. You know, the eyes are the window to the soul. And you can see the unhealth of, uh, unhealthiness of their soul just by looking into their eyes, and it's just heartbreaking. And then it's often, oftentimes I'll go back in a couple of weeks to minister again, and those same women who when I'd seen them, you know, the first time they were brand new, um, living here, but this is a Christian women's recovery home. And so the life of Christ is shared with these women and I can walk in the room and know they've made a decision to follow Jesus because their eyes are, or there's life in them. Their whole countenance has shifted and changed. They were dead and they are alive unto Christ. Now it's phenomenal. What is made available to us when we make Jesus the Lord of our lives? It's amazing that the God kind of forgiveness that he equips us to be able to do, that forgiveness disconnects us from an offense, cuts off that flow where that offense was flowing poison to us. So forgiveness disconnects us from the offense and healing heals us from the wound the offense caused. You got to do it God's way. But here's a word of caution in this day and time we live in. I would say that there are those listening who truly believe that God has called them to speak out in some areas where that could be very triggering for people. Um, Here in the United States where I live, but I believe it's all over the world because time is running short. Those of you that are listening that maybe um, were born, you know, maybe you're a teenager, young 20, maybe even mid 20. Um, especially though young 20s and below, this is kind of the world you're used to. But I want to tell you, this is not the world I grew up in. There has been a spiritual shift, especially in the last year, a massive spiritual shift because time is running short and Jesus is coming back soon. So Satan has amped up his efforts. And one of the ways he's done that, and I've seen this over the last decade, is society has shifted and changed to where we are a very triggered and offended society. People used to not walk around sharing their offenses with everybody and constantly talking about what's wrong at the level that it's done now. And I think social media has been a very big driving force. I'm on social media. It's not a bad thing. But it's, it's, uh, it can be a dangerous thing if not handled with care. And every time you post something on social media, it's like a poster on your on yourself, on your body. Like you've put a sticker saying, I believe this, I think this. And we the danger is we begin to see each other as the posters we wear. Whatever you've posted that week. So if then if you know if a friend runs into you at Walmart, they're gonna filter their thoughts about you based on how they've interacted with you that week on social media, even if they never commented on a post, but they've seen your comments, they've seen your spewing, they've seen your anger. And it causes them to pull back. If there's an area that's, maybe they see things differently than you. It's highlighted our differences instead of bringing together our strengths. And also what it's done 
is it's let the bitterness of a few defile many. How many of you feel extremely strong about a topic that maybe this time a couple of years ago you didn't even know about? But now it's a, it's a poster you wear. Wear it with pride and you defend it with anger because you've picked up a cause of someone else. Maybe something you were never even tended to carry. So my word of caution is, if you are feeling called to an area, please know that you're not called to all areas. You can feel strongly in an area, but God not have called you to be a huge voice in that area. Maybe he, called, he has called you to be a prayer in that area, or maybe he has called you to be a voice in that area. Praise the Lord. <laughs> I'm thrilled that there are people that he calls to go out as special ops forces into darkness to bring light but make sure that is where God has called you and not where your emotions have led you or not where you feel society is pushing you or someone else is expecting you. Only go where he has called you to go. And if you feel called to a certain area, I would say it's extra important, an area that would be a triggering thing on a front line of you know, social unrest or political disheaval or whatever it is that you have got to spend double time in his presence to make sure that you approach this area where you're called from a healed place in your own heart, where you are going back and setting others free in an area where you were once bound. And this is done with the motivation of love. So if you've been healed in an area and God's called you to go and speak back to the people that are still in bondage, you're going to do it from a place of love. You're motivated to help set them free. But if you've not been healed in this area yourself and you're speaking out of a triggered heart or an offended heart, then you are speaking from an unhealed place and you will do the exact opposite. You will end up putting more people in bondage because you will be spewing your own bitterness and defiling many. That is not a place that you want to be responsible for. And I have found that oftentimes the Lord requires you to first give up your story to him in complete surrender so that he can heal it, heal your heart, recycle it, then deposit his story back into you and you share it where he says to share it. But before you can do that, you have to first surrender the rights to your story. You have to first surrender the rights to set everyone else straight where you feel that they're wrong. Because when you've surrendered even your hurt and wounded places to God, that's when he can take it, heal it, recycle it. And then he's entrusted his story to you because you've signed the rights over to him. So the fix for all of this, and I've just touched on it, is surrender. The fix for an offended heart is surrender. It's giving up your story. Let him recycle it. Let him give it back to you. It's repenting, repenting where you have defiled many by spewing your bitterness. We've all done it. I'm not casting stones. I'm saying, sister, come up to a higher place and walk in freedom. Because if you've ever known that, noticed that if you've spewed on someone else, you don't feel better. You think you're going to feel better by voicing it, but instead you feel icky. You feel defiled. You feel like you've defiled them. Lay down that self-protection of walking around with your porcupine quills up. 
just as you took Jesus as your Savior. And last week, we prayed and made sure that we had taken him as our healer. You have got to take him as your defender and your protector. That's the fix for walking around with an offended heart, knowing that Jesus himself is your defender and your protector. Quit trying to be your own defender. He does a much better job. Proverbs 16, 7 says that he will make even your enemies be at peace with you. He does that, not you doing that. You following after him and trusting that he's doing the work of making your enemies be at peace with you. In Deuteronomy 32, 4 says, The Lord is your mighty defender, perfect and just. He is a God of justice. He values justice even more than we value justice. It breaks his heart to see injustice in this earth. But he is a God of justice in all of his ways. Your God is faithful and true. He does what is right and fair. So sister, I want to encourage you, lean back into him today. And I want to pray with you before we leave. Heavenly Father, I pray for every single listener here. I pray for freedom to come in their hearts and their minds and their emotions. Places where they have had their guard up and the porcupine quills out, where they've walked around with an offended heart, triggered by every single thing around them, constantly declaring what's wrong to everybody that'll listen. Lord, at the root of it is wounds. It really ties in so closely with a wounded heart. It's just responded to in a different way. Lord, I ask and I thank you that you are the healer of the broken heart and that you bind up their wounds. Lord, I thank you that you're our defender. We take you as our defender today, the one who is right and just and faithful and loyal. And we can go through life knowing that we don't have to make our own way, that you've made a way for us. Give us wisdom as we navigate the season in our world where people are being triggered all around us, where it feels like walking through a landmine at all times. Lord, I ask that you help each and every one of us stay on the side of love, stay on the side of knowing that we are a son or a daughter of the Most High God. And in that, all of our needs are provided for, for protection, for wholeness, for all the things. And that we trust you to lead us in our lives. And that we don't clog up the pipes, the spiritual pipes of our ability to hear from you. We don't clog that up with offense that puts us in such a dangerous place as we're out on the battlefield. Not being able to hear from headquarters because we're so gummed up with the static of the world. Lord, I thank you for freedom. I thank you that Jesus came and that he who the sun sets free is free indeed. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining me today on the Laura Mayer Podcast. Join me here next week where we will continue learning that being His means being free.